0: Will the real tight end in Indy please stand up? And if you have Jeremy Lankford on your Dynasty team, time to put each hand up. Danny Woodhead haters are out of their mind, and Todd Gurley redraft love is out of control. Plus, 2015-16 FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge $100,000 champions Harshal Sheth and Tages Bodiwala are here with Dave Gerzak. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around, we got a great show. Your HSFF hour starts now. You want to see my
1: girl? I ain't that dumb. You want to see my girl? Check, Maxim. Man, why does every black actor got to rap some? I don't know. All I know is I'm the best one. It's a bomb fire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. It's a bomb fire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. Broadcast
0: live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak.
1: Thanks a
0: lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special, extra special, February 12th edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Gatorade Studios Support for the show is also provided in part by Wendy's, who wants to remind you that for a limited time only, you can get a big deal on a big meal. Get a junior bacon cheeseburger, four-piece nuggets, fries, and a drink for just $4. Check it out at your local Wendy's today, where quality is their recipe. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and and addicts tuning in tonight. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and back in the co-host chair again this week is the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Dave, welcome back, man. It's great to be here, Balky. You uh, are uh, done with your barnstorming trip around the uh, world. Glad to have you back. How was the vacation? Wonderful. Refreshing.
2: My my tan has never looked
0: better. Yeah, you you look uh, you look like a uh, an old George Hamilton (laughs) uh, right now. It's just uh, it's it's very refreshing to have you back. It's very great to have you back on the airwaves. Want to thank, uh, of course, uh, co-host last week Brian Owens, who you missed, but was great.
2: Yeah, the show was fantastic.
0: Did you really listen to it? You normally don't. No, I didn't. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Brian had a lot of good stuff to say, so I want to thank him for coming on the show. But we've got a great show again tonight coming up on it. We'll talk about how the running backs finished in 2015, plus the 2015-16 FFPC World Playoff Challenge champions, winners of $100,000, Harshal Sheth, Tejas Bodewala, join us to talk about winning a six-figure prize as well as Giving us some dynasty insight into the upcoming season, Tages is a uh, FFPC dynasty player as well, Dave. I'm well aware of that. Balky, as the commissioner of the dynasty leagues, I know
2: all of our players quite well.
0: Yeah, you have a close personal uh, friendship. Some would say borderline creepy relationship with all the FFPC dynasty owners. So it's a little, it's a little creepy. It is very creepy, and uh, but not to them. They love it. I don't, I don't get it, but. <laughs> uh, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. We're, we're our own little tribe within a tribe. Okay. Yes. Well, I don't know if tribe's the right word. Shout out to the chat room right now. You guys uh, can post your questions in there. You might have. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFO or at Eric Baldman at David Gerzak. Facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hours where you can connect with us there. And, of course... 347-426-3682, that's 347-GAME-OBA, if you want to give us a call tonight and chat with us. The FedEx inbox is highstakesfantasyfootball@gmail.com. at gmail.com. The producer band and man behind the glass and mutual friend Rob will get all the questions to us and to make sure that the show still goes the full hour without any technical interruptions is, of course, our audio engineer, Bryce. Fantasy feedback coming up later on in the show as well as the running backs in review. Let's get to it. Uh... Special thing uh, going out, I, I don't know if this is a record. It's got to be pretty close to a record. The first draft expert satellite for 2016 with the FFPC filled yesterday. I checked it today. It's already in the second round.
2: Yep, and we actually filled another one tonight, and we just launched the uh, third one.
0: Yeah, you guys can play those uh, right now at myffpc.com. $35, $77, $150, and $250 price points. The there's there's no 150s. Oh, there's no 150s. I'm sorry. Nope. So, thirty five, seventy seven, and 250. Yep, step up or step down. Okay, so there you go. We got the bulky. Um, I went through
2: a lot of extra work. I went to com. I okay. copied and pasted all of the rookies into a, a spreadsheet document.
0: Uh, why'd you go to CBS Sports? Did they have the most
2: comprehensive one? No, that's the first one that came up. All on Google. right, okay. Then I deleted off all the crap that no one cares about, like right. their heights and weights and what school they went to. Exactly. Kept the position, sent it over to our tech guys, and Bam! They uploaded it up. They upload oh, so they're already it. in there. They're already in there. What is it like? A hundred some rookies? Something like that. Wow! Nice job, man. They're not. They're not sorted by anything. Look, so look at gonna, you. Get, you're, gonna to, you're gonna have to search around if you want Ezekiel Elliott and you spell right. it wrong. Tough crap. Right. Learn how to spell. I. I but, but they're in there. I can bring, Treadwell.
0: He's in there. He's in there. I can certainly appreciate uh, you coming back from vacation and you're just firing on all cylinders right away.
2: Oh, I did that while like, on vacation. Oh well, that's. I popped it right into a Google Doc. No problem.
0: Even more impressive. The hardest-working man in the high-stakes fantasy football yep. season-long business. So seven minutes later, I got that done and sent the email out right So here. they're in there. You can draft those rookies. You can sign up at myffpc.com right now. You can also sign up for the dynasty teams that still are looking for owners. Uh, that's on the message board threads at myffpc.com. I believe there's four left? Three right now. Three. So what happened with the one that was, quote-unquote, quote sold sort of tonight? via e- the email thread that I was on. Oh, I haven't, I haven't responded to, I you
2: to his offer yet. Okay. I'm yeah. contemplating it. Yeah. It's a little low. All right. So it could be too. It if could we be when two. We, if, You know, we still have a few other people to pay for, for the upcoming season. And once they kind of get down, once you get down to like 90, 90% paid, 10% left, we'll probably open 500 startups. Yeah. I mean, we, if, we, if there's
0: nothing available
2: for sale that's an existing team, we probably have to launch a
0: new one. Yeah. Um and uh the the final thing I mentioned about the FFPC was, uh, exchanging a few emails with the prognosticator today. Stats went final for the Super Bowl today with Elias. Or uh what's the what's the feed that we use?
2: Uh Sports Radar, Sports Radar. They went they went final. Fine people, but they weren't able to load in the rookies. We had to do that manually. So not you know,
0: a, not a big deal. We don't No props to you guys. Listen, we have an endless amount of elbow grease here. <laughs> so that's fine. Um All the prizes for all the prize winners, all 350 uh, people in the playoff challenge won, are uh, prizes are already in their accounts.
2: No, it's really not that
0: impressive. I think it's impressive. In
2: the days of FanDuel nowadays.
0: Same same day. We're not FanDuel. The next day. Don't.
2: Four hours later, Balky.
0: We are we are a completely different operation than
2: FanDuel. We are different because actually, when the stats change with FanDuel, it's already like yeah. You're Sorry, man. You got you got paid six days ago. Yeah
0: um so okay so very cool so if you won a prize in the playoff challenge check your player account it's probably in there you can of course withdraw it if you want or you can use it towards uh 2016 drafts that are going on right now
2: also Let's... we we have the main event stuff coming up i'm not going to you know pitch all this stuff but we're getting closer to finalizing the venue we're pretty excited about um what we're gonna do we're not gonna be at caesars though almost for sure Oh,
0: well, we're officially announcing that
2: well, not officially. Alex, okay. Alex is listening listening to this. We're
0: unofficially announcing that we will not get Caesar. I know Chris is listening.
2: Chris, don't tell Alex. All right, yeah. don't tell him I said anything. But I'm not saying where are we are going to be. We're probably not going to be at Caesar.
0: Yeah, but it'll be. A, it's going to
2: be a cool uh, venue. It'll be. A, it'll be a nice, very nice venue. Um, pricing will not be as exorbitant as at Caesar's, so it'll be. A, it'll be and, a and, fantastic time.
0: And uh, could be some more benefits this year. Yeah, than there, last there will year. Be. we actually there will be benefits. Okay. For sure. There, there you go. So stuff that we didn't have last year, we're giving it to you. Who loves you, baby? Kelly Savalas uh, on the show tonight. We're not we're not Trump, but we're trying. Yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> uh, let's get to actual fantasy news tonight, Dave. Uh, Matt Forte on Instagram. Of course, you follow him there. He uh, said that the Bears.
2: Okay, I, I interrupt you on that. Yeah.
0: Did he did he post a picture? Yeah, him? he did.
2: So what did, what was the picture? What did he post? Picture. Look like? It looked like it what was. was, he, was he or no, no, or no,
0: I, no, no, no. The the photo was like. Beach. No, he I think it was from his rookie year or maybe it was the first time he ever took Soldier Field because he looked a little slimmer and he had his uniform on. And he was like running out like onto Soldier Field it looked like for the first time. And it almost looked like an oil painting type type filter on it. Okay. I don't I don't know what filter it would be, but that's what the image and he said, you know Thanks I don't want memories. to get into Thanks it. For it but,
2: okay. Yeah. Okay, well now get into it now though. Yeah. the story.
0: So obviously uh the Bears are not re signing him according to uh GM Ryan Pace and Matt Forte, Jeremy Langford and uh Kadeem Carey going to be the uh, the ball carriers in Chicago next year. <laughs> you laugh. Well, I mean, because we've always M- ripped M- on Kadeem. Mister Four Eight Six. There's another guy there too, and I can't. Th- it's it's somebody. It doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, I'll tell you what, Langford. If you own him in dynasty, you're probably thrilled about this. I think they're going to bring in somebody, Dave, and I think it's going to be a significant cut into Langford's. Um,
2: Ability load. to get like low, like job. no,
0: no, is uh, is load of carries. So you're saying it's to be like a, <coughs> a possibly a first round pick, like Kevin White? Do you think they're no.
2: actually do another? another no, no, round
0: no, round no, round no. There? I'm not. Th- there's a lot of free agent running backs. I don't think they draft somebody. I think that they sign somebody who's going to be. So, so you're dealing, uh, you're dealing Langford right Yeah. Right if now. I I don't own him in Dynasty, but
2: I would be you, because you sent over the Roto World story and you're like, check it out. Uh, he's for sale. What? what? You, you sent over like the story about Roto World. Hey, he's gonna be the starting running back here in my. Oh, if sale. I own him, yes.
0: I I would be doing that, but I I wouldn't frame it that way. I'd frame it like, hey, just, um, you know, looking to see if if anybody needs a running back, I could use an upgraded receiver. You know, all the while the elephant in the room is like, look, this guy's going to get like... Sixty percent of the of the workload next year. You know, it's okay. it's not going to be. He's not going to be what Matt Forte was in his in his heyday. Oh, so you're thinking that they're just bringing in some some other guy now? Well, I think in like
2: Doug Martin or anything like no,
0: that. No, like you know, no, like not like a Lamar Miller, Doug Martin type guy, but like a James Starks type guy um, or, or somebody of that ilk that is going to be getting 40 30, percent of the carries there. No, oh, we back up running backs too. Well, I mean, there's certain uh, – look, look at what, what Langford did when Forte was hurt. I mean, he got a ton of touches in that offense, and I think people are going to think that that's what they're going to be in for in 2016, and I don't see that happening with them. Well, you know,
2: ESPN's Jeff Dickerson uh, disagrees with you there. But... Yeah,
0: let's get to that. ESPN's Jeff Dickerson says that uh, Langford is the, <laughs> quote-unquote, heir apparent to Matt Forte when uh, the Bears uh, informed Forte that they would not resign him. Uh, Sonoris Perry is the third guy there. Because Jacquez Rodgers is a free agent, uh, Langford had 324 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns in two different starts that he made when Forte was hurt. Uh, okay, what? so so they obviously we're still talking about Langford. Yeah, so so okay, well let's uh, let's flip it. Can we talked <laughs> about Langford. Let's flip it and talk about Forte. All right, rumors of him going to New England. And I'll tell you what, I think that's fool's gold too. What? I think no matter where Forte goes, it's fool's gold. Because people are going to draft him in like the second or the third round expecting that he can still churn out uh, a, a very, very good season. And we're going to get to this in how many bad running backs or how, many, how few great seasons there were for running backs this year. People are going to think that Forte is going to be able to achieve He's that again. He's
2: not going in the second round. Well, like in the fourth or fifth,
0: probably. Okay. Well, at that point, I would probably start thinking about him in the fifth round. But well, there you go. But I mean, look at what he's done the past couple of years when he's been healthy. I mean, he's catching the ball. He's pass blocking. He's he's, he's carrying good, the ball.
2: He's an excellent football player. He's out
0: there all the time. Yeah, he's great. So I, I don't know. I just, this is my feeling that if you own Langford or Forte right now, this might be the highest value that they have, unless Forte. I'll tell you this. Um, if Forte does sign with New England or somebody, you don't
2: even need me for the show. You're just debating yourself.
0: If, if Forte signs with a team that it has sort of a quasi bear cupboard at running back, then that might be the time to deal them. But I don't want either them on, on my team next year. Thank you, Julie. Noted. good analysis, Balky. Yeah, I agree. Do you really, or are you just saying that because you
2: want to move on? Uh, partially because I want to move on, and Forte, you know, you're not getting anything for him now, so you might as well just hang on to him for a while. You might, you might want to just ride right off into the sunset with him, and, and uh, then just shoot him at the
0: end. Be a bag holder. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I mean, that's fine too. I, I've long held that as a underrated dynasty. Um, I love it. tactic to use yeah. against your lead, uh, teammates. Uh, Tampa Bay Times says that uh, Doug Martin's looking to hit the jackpot after he finished number two in the NFL in rushing. Um, Jason Licht, who is the GM for Tampa, says that. Uh, Martin and the team actually have a mutual desire to stay together, but uh, Rick Stroud, the beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, says that they aren't really that close in an agreement. Martin is looking for DeMarco Murray money, about $8 million a year. He's 27 years old, doesn't catch a lot of passes. Somebody might overpay for him, but again, I think that with all the running backs that are going to be in the market, Martin might not get the money that he's looking for. Probably not.
2: What... um, he should again. He should do one of my little Gerzak special deals and do a four-year, twenty million dollar contract with Tampa Bay and have it all be guaranteed for the yeah. whole four years. Yeah. Take your money, be happy with it, and then just don't get cut after the fourth year. Let's say Tampa re-signs him. Would you take him in the second round of an FFPC draft? You know that team is on the upswing. I would consider uh, him in that range. He's I will... not like you said though. He's not. A, he still loses time to Sims in the passing right. game. So. Maybe not in PPR because you
0: that, you really need that you need that you need the PPR stuff. You just need those catches. I'd be semi excited if Martin leaves. I'd be semi excited for Charles Sims next year because again I think Tampa would bring in somebody to go with Sims. But given all the positivity we've heard about Charles Sims the past couple of years from Tampa, and granted it's
2: he's looked pretty good too. It,
0: it's sort of a new coaching staff, and Dirk Ketter has said that. Um, he loves Doug Martin and wants Doug Martin to be a part of it like he hasn't fallen all over himself talking about Charles Sims like Lovey Smith did but um if if Martin is gone and they bring in another guy i think Sims could be a sneaky little guy next year for redraft a dynasty i, don't, I mean he's just whatever you wouldn't get anything for him but yeah i i, I would agree okay Well, we're agreeing a lot tonight
2: that will change soon don't
0: you're, worry about you're oh really did you look at the rest of the rundown, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants? Well, I'm, I'm starting my second drink. Ah, therein, <laughs> therein lies the, uh, the rub. We have uh, Tejas Bodewala and Harshal Shep coming up. Uh, the 2015-16 FFPC Playoff Challenge champs joining us shortly. Before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, the tight end situation for the Colts right now. Very exciting. The Indianapolis Star uh, says that the Colts are more than likely going to sign Kobe Fleener and let Dwayne Allen go out to free agency. This is reporter Zach Kiefer's uh, thoughts on this that, in a story he published today. Uh, Fleener has been durable, uh, catches more passes than Dwayne Allen. Allen mostly been the blocker in that offense the last couple of years. Rob Chudzinski is the new offensive coordinator for Indy, and he loves his tight ends, Dave. Chud does love the tight ends. He loves the tight ends. So Dwayne Allen's gone next year. I think Fleener is going to be a guy that might be a little bit underdrafted. You think about the bad season that Andrew Luck had this year. You think about the bad season the Colts had in general. Uh, and I think Fleener is the type of guy that you can get in, like, an FFPC draft. I bet you get him in, like, the 7th or 8th, and he yeah. he turns in uh, really good production.
2: I think, you know, I hate to say it, but I think you might be right. I, I don't think. And
0: you've never been a Fleener guy. I, I don't
2: mind him, but I don't think he's going to be as undervalued as you think. I mean, with sharp players, I think he'll – people are – Obviously I mean luck's awesome. They're gonna people are in disregard he used issues. to be. They're gonna disregard the injuries. Right. And then they'll acknowledge that Chud is, is a guy who throws the tight ends, so it's not a big deal. All
0: right. So that is uh that is uh the situation we have uh with, with the Colts tight ends. Um I'm excited about Fleener. I you interested in, in Dwayne Allen at all? I mean I don't even know what offense he could get to where I'd be no. like
2: I never thought Allen was that good, that talented of a player. He was always hyped up by other
0: people, but I, I never really liked, uh, liked Dwayne Allen. Yeah, I never really did either. Uh, anyway, let's get to uh, tonight's guest tonight. Uh, they uh, have come close, Dave, several times uh, in trying to win the uh, world-famous playoff challenge. This year, finally hit it big. Uh, $100,000, they are the champions, Want it going away. 23.4 point victory and I you know what I forgot to print out the the roster I think I might have it memorized. This is gonna suck. You looked at the you looked at now it'll be fine. You looked at the roster. At least I looked at the roster when it was done, and I was like, "My goodness, it, this, this." These seems guys are geniuses. No, it seems <laughs> like this. Like, how could you not go with this lineup? <laughs> yeah, this,
2: this is the one, right? They the,
0: and they were the only ones who had it. And congratulations to them because they are one hundred thousand dollars richer. So please That's welcome, awesome. please welcome into the high stakes fantasy footballer making their debuts on the show, the Playoff Challenge one hundred thousand dollars winners, Harshal Sheth and Tages wallet Guys, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Thanks for,
1: thanks having, for having us. Having us
0: we're uh, we're always excited to have a six-figure winner on, and I, I know it's not two separate $100,000 prizes, but we have two uh, six-figure winners on tonight, Dave, and that's the way I'm going to frame this interview. Oh, God. So it's it's awesome to have you guys on. Before we get to the fantasy football analysis, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Harsh, I'll let you go first. Uh, tell us what you do for a living, and then, Tej, uh chime in after that.
1: Sure. So,
3: again, thanks to Dave and Eric for having us on. Um, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, and only moved to the U.S. in 2002 when I started med school in Philadelphia, and that's where I met Tejas, and he really got me into the whole football and fantasy football scene, and so now I live in Chicago, and I'm practicing medicine as a cardiac electrophysiologist, which is just a fancy way of saying that I'm a cardiologist that specializes in heart rhythm disorders.
2: Well, so in other words, this this money is going to go towards just paying, like, your taxes for the year, probably, right?
3: (laughs) Taxes and paying back my student debt, (laughs)
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, student loans. You know, Sanders, you know if Sanders had gotten elected in the prior election balky he, he would have all well gotten forgiven probably
0: for those of you probably who politics, I was going to say who for those of you who had 19 <laughs> minutes in the in the pool tonight of when Gurzak would bring up the election you win
2: I'm sorry I've been watching videos too much lately That's
0: all right that's all right Tage what about you man
1: yeah, I'm a I'm a program director for a mobile banking startup and uh, I also have my own startup, UMAY, um which I'm my co-founder and I launched uh, the MVP beta version for last month. Um I interned with ESPN in 2009 to 2011 covering the NFL draft with uh, Sal Palantonio, and I think that's when Herschel started taking me pretty seriously about the football thing.
2: <laughs> so tell us about the startup a little bit. How do you spell it? U M A Y?
1: it's Y-U-E-M-E-Y. yume is a is a name or a word um in japanese that means dream and uh really what the startup is is it's going to be the first uh social and um professional network that really connects entrepreneurs investors students professionals and employers as well y u m e y
0: you need to check it out yep. i am going to check it out all right okay cool Paige,
1: you know this is this is the difference between
0: dave and and, and i he asks uh, about the startup, and I immediately want to know, like, oh, you had your finger on ESPN's NFL draft coverage. Who cares Do you have any good stories from that internship?
1: I do, but they could take a little while, so uh, I'll let I'll let <laughs> you guys talk through the rest of the interview, and then I'll get to them. But, yeah, I have right. a lot of good nuggets from Anecdote. my intern with Anec- Sal. He's a, he's a great guy.
2: Anecdote at the end, ball.
0: Yeah, I love that. But, <laughs> the, that. We call that the button in the industry, Dave. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, that's the button. Okay, go ahead. I never took any of those communications courses, but yeah,
1: should have trained. It up doesn't a bit.
0: show, man.
2: It doesn't show. <laughs> I'm a podcast professional. Harshell with an 18-point Super Bowl lead. How was it getting together and watching the game? Were you guys confident, worried? Who'd you have going by the way, too? Since no one so else knows.
0: Cam, Cam Newton and C.J. Anderson for the. Uh, All right, yeah, Cam no. and C.J.
3: So um, aside from obviously every break imaginable going our way, we had a pretty steady climb up the uh, leaderboard after the first week, and we were, I think, in the 130th range or something like that, but we only had six players going the wild card weekend, and more or less everyone in front of us had seven or some people had eight, so we were pretty happy with that. And then after the, the divisional round, we moved up to 14th. Um, and after the Denver-New England game, we were, I think, sitting in fifth because of the nice little touchdown by Gronk at the end there, and uh and so him and I were on the phone pretty much the whole time during the Arizona Carolina game and as Cam just kept getting more and more points along with David Johnson who we also had um you know I think around the second quarter we had we had taken the lead and then it just kept expanding um and and by the end we saw that we were up 18 and that nobody really around us had Cam Newton either, so we, we felt pretty good, and I told Tejas, because like I said, I live in Chicago and he's still in Philly, I was like, dude, you got to come out here for the game, we got to watch this together, and uh, <laughs> within 30 minutes he had a flight booked on Southwest, uh, and uh, and we were getting pretty amped up for it, so for the next couple of weeks we were, I, I think I was probably a little bit more confident than he, um, but we were both probably, um, you know, we recognized that it was going to take a lot for someone to catch us, because looking at the teams that were behind us with unique rosters, it was really there were three players that we were trying to fade, and those were Greg Olson, Emmanuel Sanders, and Brandon McManus, of all people. Um, but we felt okay with Greg Olson, even though it was um, you know, double points and 1.5 PPR for the tight ends, that um, whatever he got was at least somewhat offset by Cam, and we just didn't think that Denver would be playing a style that would allow for you know a, a really crazy game from Emmanuel Sanders. So I, I think that we were Pretty confident, around 50% at least, that that we were going to hold on um, to the lead. And then one of my other best friends in Toronto, who doesn't follow football at, all, football at all, he was the one that told me the breaking news that CJ Anderson was starting over Ronnie Hillman, which was I think announced about an hour before the game started. So that obviously gave us an additional boost that that we were uh, not expecting, and and uh, and so we didn't have to sweat too much other than the Denver D, um, as it ended up being. But uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty exciting
0: for uh for everybody out there I do have the roster in front of me now from memory by the way Cam Newton, was, job, thank you. Cam Newton, quarterback. Uh, C.J. Anderson and David Johnson were the running backs. A trio of receivers: Martavis Bryant, A.J. Green, and Doug Baldwin. The tight ends were Rob Gronkowski and Jordan Reed. Mason Crosby did the kicking, and the Kansas City Chiefs did the defending. Of course, oh, they had that big, yeah. big, big, big uh, opening weekend really against the Houston Texans. Texans. Yeah. There, well, remember, everybody who had the Chiefs defense, it was like littered across the top of the leaderboard because <laughs> yeah. it was the first game. You know, so very exciting, awesome stuff. Uh, that you guys were able to put uh, such a winning, uh, uh, a great lineup together that ended up winning it all, uh, Harshal. But, Tage, tell us uh, a little bit how you guys worked together and assembled these lineups, because this wasn't your only lineup that you had. Uh, You had several rosters for the playoff challenge. Tell us a little bit about the process of you guys working together and forming these.
1: Sure. We uh, we generally start the process around week 15 of the NFL regular season, and uh, after we have a preliminary understanding of what teams will make the playoffs and potential seeding. Um, once the NFL teams are finalized, we move forward in discussing matchups and possible outcomes and sifting through any hard-hitting you know, quantifiable data we can get our hands on. And I'm not talking about the fluff data or stats you might see on ESPN or Sports Center when they try to go inside the stats or anything like that. But, you know, more detailed, for example, when wide receiver X was lined up in the slot versus cornerbacks of Y caliber, how did the wide receiver fare? How did the team's nickel cornerback fare against similar wide receivers? We'll try to break down every statistic and just go back and forth for about two weeks, predicting outcomes, flushing out every potential scenario and ensuring we diversify our teams with players we feel have the best chance to advance in the playoff challenge. Um, Once we finalize a list of potential players, we create a spreadsheet to help select and, you know, really illustrate our rosters. Uh, This also helps us understand usage of players across our teams. So entering the rosters on FFPC is always a rush, but... It's great working with Herschel. Is him and I have similar thoughts on 99% of things in life, and let alone one of our greatest passions, football. So it's a pretty seamless process.
0: That's pretty crazy, Bulky. I uh, I gotta try this I, this I whole was... spreadsheet thing that everybody keeps talking about every <laughs> every week on the show. We get like, hey, how'd you win on this money? Why well, have these things called spreadsheets? I gotta try it out. Yeah, like Lotus One Two Three. Yeah, I'm on Notepad. Is, does that not work? <laughs> like Notepad has always been what I've always used on the computer.
1: That's old. school. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, so let's talk about your uh, wide receivers from Pittsburgh. I mean, you chose uh, Martavis Bryan over Antonio Brown. Um, I'm sure, you know, Brown was probably 70% owned or something in that neighborhood. And then uh, also talk to us about uh, why you took the Chiefs defense and why you went that direction.
3: Yeah, so picking up where Tage was uh, talking there, we look at all the projections of the matchups, and we were pretty resolute about three of the four wildcard games. We thought that Seattle and Kansas City would advance, and we actually had Washington beating Green Bay, which is why we had Mason Crosby instead of an offensive skill player from Green Bay. But um, as it turned out, Jordan Reed did just fine for us. When it came to Pittsburgh-Cincinnati, we were favoring Pittsburgh to win, but it was closer towards the 55-45 kind of spread. And we actually felt more confident that if Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati that they would probably beat Denver. Um, and that obviously was, was wrong. But... Um, we we definitely wanted offensive players on both Pittsburgh and Cincinnati to be able to withstand whichever team advanced. And once D'Angelo was effectively ruled out, we were left with looking at Bryant, Brown, and Heath Miller. Um, and we really wanted to find a way to fade Brown because I think in our past experiences over the last four years, where I think the last three years we've been top 50 or something of that sort, um, it really ends up being that there's one wild card kind of player that separates you either for better or worse. And a couple of years ago, as an example, we, we definitely, on all of our teams that we entered, we faded Calvin Johnson against Saints because we thought that the Saints would win and hoping that Calvin wouldn't do anything. And of course he went for like 12, 202 touchdowns and that buried us um, on most of those rosters that we did there. So it can work both in the, you know, in your advantage and disadvantage at times in this one, we, we wanted to try and, Brown, which sounds strange because he's the you know wide receiver one a or one b in both actual and fantasy football um and especially the way that he performed in the past in the last ten weeks of the season it was it was we felt fairly confident that he was going to show up like you said seventy we thought it was going to be closer to board, eighty or eighty five percent of the rosters across the board, and so um looking closely it was we were a little benef. Um, we, were, we had a little bit of a benefit that they were playing Cincinnati, and we had a couple of templates to look at. And Cincinnati did a pretty good job during their two matchups in the year of double covering him and just basically saying, you know, beat us elsewhere. And I think both those games, Heath Miller had like 10 catches or something. And especially with their run D being a little bit more um, exposed than their, their pass D, we thought that there was a chance that they would still be able to blanket Brown. And for the most part, they did in that game. I think he just had. He was 7 for 100-and-something, but most of that came on on a 7-yard on a slant pass that he took 60 yards almost for a touchdown. And I think that the Steelers knew that they were not going to be able to force-feed Brown this whole game. And, and earlier in the week, leading up to the uh, wild-card game, I think Ben had called up Martavius Bryant, who who has all their measurables, to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. And so we took a little bit of a plunge of uh, or a leap of faith there with Bryant, but it was more a reasoning of trying to find a reason to to fade Brown. If Pittsburgh did win, we also felt pretty comfortable that there's no way that he would do to Denver what he did a few weeks earlier because Wade Phillips is too good of a defensive coordinator, and um, they got burned pretty bad, leaving him one-on-one against Chris Harris, who's one of the best corners in the game. But um, there was no way we thought that Denver would allow them to do that again. So for both those reasons, we we decided to go with Bryant. And I think across our ten rosters, we only had Brown on one.
0: That was a calculated risk that uh, that ended up paying off big time. And le- and let's face it, Dave, seven catchers for 100 yards, that's basically blanketing Antonio Brown in this day and age, the good. type of season that Pretty he's good. had the yeah. uh, last couple of years. Uh, Tage, given that you guys have uh, had the advantage of playing in the playoff challenge and, and honestly doing very well in it the past uh, couple of seasons, uh, w- what have you guys learned uh, in the past few years from coming so close? about making better rosters, about getting cl- a little bit closer every year, and then obviously this year uh, winning it all. What have you guys learned? What, what changes have you made? Uh, and and how, how has your strategy and approach changed uh, over the past two or three years?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm probably going to answer it by rattling off a bunch of metaphors, but um, I would say the most important will be the last I discuss. Um, To be successful in fantasy football, you can't rely solely on luck. Uh, We all know that luck plays a part, but you have to dive headfirst into analysis. Uh, Start the process early, and then end the process when you've reached analysis paralysis. Uh, Analyze and review until your eyes can't bear looking at stats, matchups, and any abstract scenarios. And After you've completed your due diligence, don't be afraid to go against the grain and and rely on your instincts. Um, One of my favorite fantasy football players, who I'm very fortunate to have as a fantasy football mentor of sorts, is uh, Henry Muto, and uh, Henry always tells me to rely on instincts. Um, success in any aspect of life really is parts of talent, hard work, competitive drive, uh, knowledge, belief, luck, instincts, and, and tuning out the noise. And that's what I say is probably the most important thing: is the conviction to stay true to your picks is the greatest success factor in fantasy football, in my opinion. There's always a lot of noise and hype when it comes to projected matchup outcomes, uh, while it's semi-important to take into consideration you can't let the overabundance of information affect your decisions. So Herschel and I do a really good job in coming together in a consensus agreement on what the rosters are going to be and then really sticking to our guns. We don't go back and forth and say, oh, let's tweak this, let's change that. We we really stay true to uh, our picks.
0: Tage, a follow-up question on that, based on what you just told me, and we've had uh, – Henry's been a guest on the show a couple of times – of uh, the utmost respect for what he's been able to do, winning all these national contests, coming actually very close to going back-to-back in one uh, this year. He's won a ton of money, and based on what you said about trusting your instincts, trusting your convictions, making sure that you have the right players on your roster, would you say that the strategy of Going out and getting your guys is something oh, that high-stakes fantasy players should be doing. Are we still doing this
2: in Yes, 2016? we're still doing
0: it. We're, we're still, still doing, doing the get-your-guys crap? Yeah, Tage, what do you think? Getting your guys, good strategy or bad strategy?
1: <laughs> you know, he's a huge advocate of having Des Bryant on every roster imaginable. And, Henry, I'm sorry if I called you out on this, but everybody knows that Henry's a huge fan of Dez. Des obviously had a very down year, but Got his again, he's a huge <laughs> proponent of having his guys. And I think that that plays a part into it, because from a mental aspect, you know, you want to root for players that you truly love. I think sometimes we diversify our team so much, I can't even keep track of who I'm rooting for in games, and then I end up disliking almost every player <laughs> when I'm watching them. So... I, I do believe, in part, that you have to get some guys that you truly believe are game changers, and if you're a huge fan of them, yeah, that's an added bonus that you can actually root for that player during your games or your weeks.
3: I think in, another- in, in addition, to, in addition to that, though, I think there's something about getting the player that you want within a reasonable. Um, you know, period of the draft or, or if you're doing a trade or whatnot, because I think that you have to be cognizant of the value uh, and you can't reach too far because while it's filing, finding Danny to get who you want, that may leave you exposed elsewhere if you're reaching a little bit too much. So I, you know, I like getting the players that, I, that I've targeted as well, but um, I think it's within reason to, to a certain extent as well.
0: Yeah, of course,
2: of
3: course,
0: but (laughs) it goes without saying, goes without saying. Whatever, Balky, that's a very good point. Listen, we have a couple of six-figure winners on here that have just agreed with my personal philosophy on fantasy football. I think only one actually agreed there. (laughs) Harshall totally agreed, he just put the caveat in there, and I just, to me, that goes without saying, because obviously you have to take value, and you're not going to go, who drafted Devontae Freeman in the first round this year? You know what we should have named our podcast? We should have called it The Noise. The noise
2: because that's what we are. Yeah, we, we are, are noise. Just random crap that no one should listen to. How about you create some more right now? All right, so Harshal, uh, how'd you do in your regular season leagues this year? So, uh,
3: not so good. I, um, I I, 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 the reason I haven't played in the FFPC regular season leagues is because I've always tried to stick with just two leagues. I think, um, it's been better for me, um, to not be too spread out, but with that said. In uh, in one of my favorite leagues, or of the two, my favorite league, the PTI with some of my best friends, um, I had come in with high hopes and uh, littered with injury throughout the year, and I ended up actually last place in the regular season. Um, and I won the consolation round, which is giving me the first pick for next year because it's part dynasty nice. format. Um, but I, I definitely bemoaned my luck throughout the year and wondered why I was getting such, such crappy luck. But uh, suffice to say, I'm happy that things turned around and that, uh, that I won this thing. Well, Pretty you know, cool. Bucky,
2: I was making like, a, like a, a little bit of a gambling comparison. I know the word this is a skill game. Whoa!
0: But I, this, I, I have to throw out this it's, it's, comparison. If you, if you right it's now.
2: like if, this is you know the, the whole playoff challenge. Like if you have a bad week with your bookie, this is like the Monday night game. This is like you got to. <laughs> oh if, yeah, if yeah. yeah. A bad season. It's like. Dude,
3: we've
0: got to get more playoff yeah. challenge teams. We yep. gotta roll it. Roll we're, it in there. Playoff challenge magic. I don't have to pay them for yeah. Wednesday. In, the, in, in my court. other
3: in my other league, which is a non PPR pure auction league, I drafted Ben and then my receivers and this is a twelve man, my receivers were Julio Hopkins, Demarius Thomas, and Amari Cooper. Good um, I purposefully I purposefully went thin on running back and grabbed D'Angelo. Um and I had and I drafted Tyler Eifert. So hmm. you would think that with that setup, uh, it would be pretty good. And, and for the first seven or eight weeks, I was in uh, top points. and I think I was second in the regular season. But then I dropped Ben after week three when he got hurt, thinking that nobody would pick him up and I can get him back in a couple of weeks. And that was a fail. I dropped D'Angelo the week that Lavion then got hurt. Um, so that hurt me. Tyler Eifert coming down the stretch got injured a few times. Demarius and Amari Cooper kind of faded through the back end of the season. So, um, you know, it, what what looked like it was going to be good on paper didn't pan out come playoff time in that league. I, I definitely did well still there, but not uh, not champion. So it, it's okay. I mean, it happens. You you have good times. You have bad times. But uh, um, I think as long as you're true to your strategy, then, then you, you just trust the process.
0: And winning $100,000 in the playoff challenge always softens the blow from a subpar regular <laughs> season as well, for sure. <laughs> it does. Let, let's uh, shift uh, and talk a little bit about uh, Dynasty here, Taze. You, you actually have uh, Lamar Miller on both of your FFPC Dynasty squads. Looks like he is going to be out on the free agent market. Uh, with, uh, with him being out there, are you shopping him around your league, seeing what other owners are doing? Or are you just kind of sitting on him right now? Um, and and taking it day by day, see where he lands, and then gauge his value?
1: You know, I'm receiving some preliminary offers for Lamar Miller, and obviously people are trying to lowball me on his value. I'm a firm believer in Lamar Miller. I I actually think that he could be a top tier, uh, maybe top five running back in the NFL, so long as his usage is aligned. But Lamar Miller is one of the most frustrating players in all of fantasy land. I mean, Incredibly talented, averaging over five yards per carry in each of the last two seasons. He's a home run hitter. I think two years ago he had a 95-yard run against the Jets in Week 17. Last year, or this past season, he actually had the longest run amongst all running backs with 85 yards as well. Top five running back in the NFL in 20-plus yard plays. But his usage really was the issue in Miami, and I was shocked that they didn't run him into the ground in a contract year. Um, It seemed like when Miami committed to running the ball in Miller, they won. He's obviously a pending free agent, as you touched on, and will most likely be the most coveted running back on open market. Um, I just think he needs a chance, and he's stated that his usage will play a large part in where he signs. So hopefully it's Houston, Baltimore, Dallas, or maybe even the New York Giants. I mean, that team would have an insane amount of speed on the offensive side, obviously with ODB and then Miller, and hopefully they can draft another receiver to go across Um, ODB as well. But... I'm not trading Miller. I acquired Miller uh last offseason and a first round pick for Marshawn Lynch. So, I'm happy that I sold him on Lynch uh, right at the right time. So, that worked out well. Very, very good. I think
3: there's a good chance I think there's a good chance Lamar Miller ends up in Jacksonville.
1: Really? really for the Jaguars? I think
3: so. Why
0: why do you say that? I
3: yeah, well, I think that they're looking at TJ Elden uh as probably their their go-to, but Lamar Miller, a um change of pace back. I I've heard a lot of rumors coming out. Um, that Jacksonville is going to be heavily interested and in potentially offer him somewhere in the range of three for three years for twelve million, and and uh, obviously the Giants and and Houston look like ideal scenarios, even potentially Dallas as far as places that would seem like a natural fit. But I'm hearing a lot of rumors about Jacksonville right now.
0: Dave, uh, you, you'll, I'll let you ask the next question, but I will say one advantage of Lamar Miller to Jacksonville, saves on moving costs. Would not cost that much money to move his stuff from Miami to Jacksonville. No, no state income tax. And, and Lamar Miller went, so, went to the University of Miami. First. So staying in, in Florida as well. And the dumbest
2: coach of all time is not going to be there, Joe Philbin. The second dumbest <laughs> coach, Josh <laughs> Bradley, will be there. I'm just kidding. We've, he's, we've, he's great. We, we have, we've denounced Philbin for, well, Philbin for, was, for years he, and years. You I think everyone did. Yeah, Unbelievable! You, and you, you guys, ten you, carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. Lamar Miller, right. second half, two carries. They have
0: Yeah, that so it, was uh, a game flow we just didn't think
2: that uh, Lamar Miller was uh, was the right guy to go to in the second. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah,
0: that's, that's, that's how it goes. You guys that's don't part. realize this, or maybe you do realize this, but Dave and I actually live. Uh, about 30 miles uh, southwest of uh, Green Bay, and we—I we, mean—we were privy to what Joe Philbin did up here as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach before he went to Miami. And when he got hired, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but for when he got hired as the head coach in Miami, I was like, "What? Really? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going with that guy?" Yeah. So uh, to sure, to me, good. I wasn't at all surprised that that he failed down there, and and again, I was not at all surprised that uh, he was fired after. Lamar Miller, you know, plays very well, and they win football games, and then they go away from him and they lose. Like uh, to me, that's so clear. Like, what? Who's the guy calling the shots there? Hard yeah. Ops was great too. I mean, you just, get, you just Oh, you remember him. him with Ocho Cinco oh, down he's there too. So oh, God, God it was me. great.
2: Anyway, so um, Tate, one of your running backs on your dynasty league uh, teams does have a big opportunity. That's Matt Jones in Washington. Uh, what do you think of him going into the 2016 season? He was pretty highly. He was actually. Considered to be a little bit overdrafted going in the third round of last year's draft, but they had that alcoholic general
0: manager that they brought in and uh yeah, but McLohan. he's actually
2: super talented.
0: What's the name? The general manager or the or Matt Jones. Both. Oh yeah. Scott McLowan. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I
1: don't even yeah, know where the question yeah. went. <laughs>
0: Let's just talk talk about Matt Jones. Talk about for a Matt lesson. Jones for a minute. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think Jones has a great opportunity in front of him. He just needs to work on his ball security. You know, he has a chance to be a tier one or two back with his three-down potential. He's a good receiver, a solid blocker. But, again, he really needs to take care of the ball. I mean, his fumbling issues are just crippling him in terms of potential and and playing time. Uh, If he can work his fumbling issues out, I think he'll be a great fit for the all-of-a-sudden physical Redskins. They're getting pretty big up front, and uh, they're going to want to pound the ball to protect Cousins as well. He's not the biggest guy. They've built a good offense around him, featuring a you know dynamic uh, tight end in Jordan Reed. When he's healthy, I, I really think it's just 1-1-A between him and Gronk. Um, but I think Jones has a great opportunity in front of him, and I hope that he works out all these fumbling issues that he experienced his rookie year and a little bit in Florida as well.
2: So, Valky, as a Florida State fan, what do you think of the ex-skater uh, Matt Jones?
0: Well, you, you know what? Here's what's funny, and this is a Kentucky story that will branch off from this. I, I was never really on him all that much this past season. I was just like, eh, whatever. you know. And I, I had the opportunity to take him in Dynasty, and I didn't. Um, then when we got to Kentucky and Louisville, Brandon Hake. And Shea DuBose, who have won a lot of money, they were taking him. Matt Jones all over the place. Like, every single job. I'm like, what am I missing on Matt Jones? So then, honestly. Started sweating a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and then when he started, he had those really good games early on in the season. I wasn't at all surprised at that point. Right. For, from You know, not from totally missing. Did could you draft him at all then? Like, and one, one team at, the, the, end? End. at yeah. the end, yeah. But, like, we we're, we're in so many leagues with them, it was tough to get him. But, like, yeah, and it wasn't – I mean, again – a lot of talent. We'll get back to the interview in a minute, guys. A lot of talent. Home run hitter. <laughs> Tage is right. Got to get the fumbling under control. You're not going to get on the field if you keep fumbling the football. Yep. Uh, we do have one t- uh, time for one email. I know we're we're, uh, we're keeping you guys a little bit long, but I do uh, want to bring this one up. Uh, it was an interesting um, one from Jay in Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, he writes of these biggest early round boss, Who is most likely? to rebound and return first-round value. C.J. Anderson, he lists four guys here. C.J. Anderson, Jeremy Hill, Eddie Lacy, or DeMarco Murray? Appreciate the response. That's Jay in Passaic, New Jersey. I'll throw it to Harshal first. Uh, C.J. Hill, Lacy, or Murray, who is most likely to rebound in 2016?
3: I think least likely first is Murray. I think that he really benefited from the Dallas offensive line, and his usage last year was such that I don't know that he's going to be able to recover. Plus, they have Ryan Matthews, so it seems like it's still a timeshare, and I don't know that he's going to do a whole lot better. Eddie Lacy, um, they want to lose 30 pounds, whether or not that happens and or uh, that he gets sort of Uh, back into the flow of things like he did in 2014 or not is yet to be seen. Obviously, getting Jordan Nelson back is going to help the entire offense, including whoever does emerge as the running back there. So he's possible. Um, C.J. Anderson I'm I'm high on, so I think that he's probably going to be my answer. But I wouldn't discount Jeremy Hill. He's coming into a contract year, and, you know, everyone was very high on him, myself included, coming into this year. Um, And everyone thought it was sort of the end of Gio Bernard, but – he seemed really devastated by uh, the fumble that uh, that occurred in the game against Pittsburgh, and coming into a contract year or two, I think he's really going to be out to um, get back on the field in, in tip-top shape and hold on to um, his spot in the league, really, because if he has another very down year in that offense, it's possible that he won't have a job with Cincinnati going forward. So I'd probably say C. Jansen and Jeremy Hill, um, and, and then Lacey and, and definitely DeMarco last.
0: Tage, where
1: do you fall on
0: that? Uh, do you agree with Harshal?
1: Yeah, I have a slight difference in ranking towards the tail end, but generally I believe that C.J. Anderson has the best chance to rebound. I know he heard a lot of owners taking him tail end of the first round or mid second round, myself included in one of my leagues, um, but C.J.'s really working out a lot of the issues that he had this season. I believe that that sprained ankle that he had really gave the opportunity to Ronnie Hillman uh to shine a little bit, but Denver has stated that they will be moving away from Ronnie Hillman and letting him test the waters of free agency. Obviously Hillman was horrible in the playoffs. Uh he did not pass protect at all. He got Manning killed on a few plays and uh he also didn't even give any effort on that lateral pass uh against New England which really probably infuriated the coaches. Um but I'm sure when they watch a film and they saw his horrible pass protection It was a no-brainer to put C.J. in. So I would rank C.J. Anderson having the opportunity to be the lead back in Denver. They'll probably upgrade the offensive line, and and Brock Osweiler should be uh, more than serviceable. He had a couple great games in there when he uh, filled in for Manning. So I like C.J. Anderson, and I like Jeremy Hill just from the youth factor. Um, He proved to be a dynamic back towards the tail end of his rookie season the last eight games. I believe he led the NFL in rushing, and he also had – be tied for the most in yards per carry with uh, Lamar Miller, I believe, in the second half of his rookie season. So I really like Jeremy Hill. I think he'll bounce back. Um, It's going to be a little bit more of a 50-50 situation in the beginning with Giovanni Bernard because Bernard offers so many things from the receiving perspective that Hill simply can't. Uh, He's not as dynamic as Bernard, but Bernard's got to be... You know, he's, he's also got to be aware from a health perspective where he can take hits, where he needs to get out of bounds and everything of that nature. He's almost like a mobile quarterback, in my opinion. He's just really small. Um, but aside from that, I think DeMarco Murray has the opportunity to bounce back in Philadelphia. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, as Ian Rappaport has reported that, you know, Philadelphia and DeMarco Murray might be parting ways as Brian's trying to recruit Murray back to Dallas. He's tweeting out a couple things like oh you can always come home, bro and you know all these different things. So, it's going to be interesting to see if Murray stays with Philadelphia. I believe Doug Peterson will, whoever play, is playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles will want to protect him by running the ball. Um and I have to believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to address the offensive line early and often in the NFL draft um and in free agency as well. I saw Jari Evans was released from New Orleans. He's a local kid. He grew up in Philly. He'd be a great player, even though he's 32 years old. He was a cap casualty from New Orleans. I think he'd be a wonderful fit along the line. Uh, Plug him in right next to Peters at left guard and get one more serviceable year out of Peters. I think Murray has an opportunity. I'm not a believer in Eddie Lacey at all. I I believe that anybody who can't uh, really stay with the rigors of staying in shape in the NFL uh doesn't really have a chance of success, so Lacey would be my least likely to bounce back.
2: You know, I'm going to ask you your final question, guys, in just a second. But <clears throat> talking about Eddie Lacey, bulky. Yeah. You know, back when he was a rookie in the NFL, he was fat, yeah. and he had that fat picture that I posted, and I predicted he'd be, you know, he's fat, out of shape, using going to suck and blow it. And he, I feel like, do I get credit for him now sucking? I mean, I feel like I'm the guy who predicted the mortgage crisis in like 2005 into 2006, almost like Michael Burry in in, in the you know the Big Short movie. But, but I, you know, I, I kind of called it a little bit early. Do I get credit for that or what?
0: Don't talk ill about Eddie Lacy yet. <laughs> Don't bury him yet. I'm, I'm, I'm You're going like, to need a big casket. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Right now, I'll give you credit for it, but with the right to pull that credit back at any time when he's MVP next year in the Packers. Jenny Craig, to slim fat. I mean, anything. My friend anyway. and I, when
3: we were watching that Arizona-Green Bay game, we were dying of laughter on that one run he had because oh. it looked like it was slow motion.
0: Yeah, it was bad. I couldn't believe it. I just like, where is the end zone? I, th- I thought they moved the end zone back like another 50 yards. I'm like, how is he not I think we saw an offensive
3: guard pass him for blocking.
2: <laughs> it's like some lineman that you, like picked up a fumble and was running it back. Like, like, Lacy lateral it to to Josh Sitton, so he gets some speed. Yeah, lateral it to Rogers.
1: <laughs> that's funny. All
2: right, guys. Well, last question. Congrats on the cash. Obviously, that's fantastic. What are you gonna do with the money? Uh, Tage, you go first, and Harshell at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing experience, and uh, it's just awesome. And thank you guys so much for putting this together, uh, the entire FFPC. Um, part of our prize money is, is going to go into the main event, hopefully with great management. Who knows, maybe we can make this winning championship thing the norm, and we can be back on the air with you guys. Um, I'll also be donating part of the money as well.
0: Oh, it's also awesome. well, Good for you.
3: Uh, as for me, I'm going to try and spend some money so I can be better in my other league, the PTI, with, uh, with my friend uh, Salvador Carenza as the best commissioner and coming for the championship to you, Somosha. I know you're out there listening, but I'm not going to let you be champion again next year, so hopefully I'll be a little bit better there. But in all seriousness, um, m- my wife and I are expecting our first child in a couple months, so a lot of the money is going to be going towards those preparations as well as uh, starting a college savings fund for him um, and then I'm going to buy the wife a little... Extra gift there, and uh, probably buy myself a Vontaze Burfict jersey because without him knocking out Antonio Brown, we're probably not uh, talking to you guys here today.
0: (laughs) Oh, that was a hell of a hit, man! That's great. That's great. That's great stuff. Listen, guys, congratulations on on the hundred thousand. Good luck in your leagues next year, Harshal. Good luck uh on the upcoming uh a baby into your family that's that's very awesome congrats there uh and good luck in the main event next year and we listen you guys win it all you're open ticket to come back on we would love to chat with yeah. you again this is B- a lot Buffy's of i already rooting for you I'm already rooting for you <laughs> you're the you're the you're the team I'm pulling for in 2016 uh for there right now go. so so thanks for coming on the show guys appreciate it and uh, enjoy your weekend awesome thank you. you thanks guys Harshal Shep, Tejas uh, Bodiwala, coming on the show tonight. Awesome stuff. Okay. Playoff, playoff Challenge champions. I always, um, you do know. A lot of
2: prep work. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely do a lot. Do you remember when, I can't remember, was it 2011 or 2012, we had Kelly Wilson come on the show after she won the play. I was ice fishing, uh, and you were doing the show, and then I was kind of calling in remote.
2: Uh, yes, I remember that show vividly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, and she came on. Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I was like, my, and she was a big Eagles fan. Uh, she's, uh, I, she, no, she was from Detroit. No, she was from Michigan, not Detroit. She was from Michigan, but she was a big Philly fan. And uh, I was like, my goodness, you know, and you can. She had like a a cursory knowledge of the NFL, mm-hmm. and uh, but still, just stuff happened. I think that could have been the Sproles year, yeah, where Sproles was, went crazy in the playoff. You know, her, husband,
2: her husband was putting in teams, right? And she's like. I want a team. Yeah. She's <laughs> like,
0: like, oh, you're playing fantasy football again. I want <laughs> was, a team. That was yeah. great. And then uh, she ended up winning it all. But anyway, so so we go, we have that spectrum where it's just like, not not that she got lucky, but it was, is a more hands-off approach. These guys are very hands-on. Right. And they've gotten progressively better every single year. $100,000 payday. Yeah. Let's get to uh, running backs in review. I don't know if we'll have a time to hit all the talking points. If we have to do a part two next week, we'll do a part two next week. I was, You know, like, when Rob and I prepare stuff like this, we go over it and we try to, like, glean the best nuggets out of it, you know, and and find out what are the best talking points, what are the things that people really want to, you know, what what they're wondering about. There was an endless amount on on running backs this year. I just, I could not believe it. Let's start right up at the top, Dave, and as far as how the running backs finish. Devontae Freeman dominated this year. Three hundred and three total points. He averaged twenty one point six points per game. This is by the way, week one to sixteen. So this a ninth is a,
2: round draft pick too.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, just insane. So I was curious as to what your thoughts are for him next year. And be no, I am going I'm to have you answer, and then I am going to tell you where he went in the first FFPC draft. I know I am touching your shoulder, but
2: don't touch me too much. This, I
0: am going to get our hands right, dirty you're very here. Passionate here, here. So anyway, tell me what you think about Freeman for next year. Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of more of the same. I mean, like you know, he he
2: really looked the part. I, I don't see any reason why he's not not going to continue and do well in uh, in this. This upcoming season. I mean, it was pretty fantastic. I was really—I mean, I was very surprised. He did, I was too. He never showed that propensity for playing that well. He doesn't have the measurables, so I—I I, I whiffed on him. Although I did draft him, I think once, at least once, in Kentucky. One of my best teams was uh, had Freeman. I just took him by accident. It's like ah, Freeman. Screw it. Right. Yeah. So that, was, that was like the pick.
0: You know, with this Lashawn McCoy stuff that's going on, obviously Carlos Williams' stock is going up. You could have two Florida State running backs that are drafted fairly high in drafts next year, and it's Carlos Williams and Devonte Freeman. It's good. amazing. You remember what I was talking about that
2: they're making a he living was, because they didn't get their degree obviously. Right. So, I mean. Wh-
0: whatever. Um, <laughs> Devontae Freeman remember when I was talking about him in the pre-draft process for like Dynasty when we were doing our Dynasty shows I'm like look he's just a guy like he doesn't really do much. Yep. He'll be okay. And he just crushed it. Flat out crushed it. Amazing. Uh, the first draft of the FFPC 209 for Devontae Freeman. Really? That's, I believe he was the fifth running back off the board. I could be wrong but he was pretty, fifth or
2: sixth. You know at a certain point you don't outsmart yourself just you know, take the guy who rocked it out last year. You know
0: who took him at the one oh four the guy who take uh the guy who took him at the two oh nine, his one oh four pick?
2: What? about okay.
0: Julio Jones. Oh wow. Awesome. So he went Falcon Falcon. Adrian Peterson. I, you were David, name the player. I did, of I did name the player. Oh no, I'm mean, not I'm not no, I'm not gonna name the, the person who get drafted. backlash though. Adrian Peterson uh finished as a number two running back, two hundred and fifty two point nine points, which by the way was more than fifty points behind Devontae Freeman. He averaged sixteen point eight a game. Is he timeless? I mean, are we expecting another first round? type performance for him next year?
2: I mean, as long as the HGH testing isn't out, I mean, yeah. I right, so.
0: yeah. And, and as as long as uh, the tree branches stay indoors, right? <laughs> yeah
2: uh um, visitation is only on the weekends. Yeah,
0: like if you see supervised
2: visitation. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, as long as those things are all the thing is, is, like he needs something he he ran angry again this year. He needs something to be ticked off about yeah. in, in twenty sixteen. Maybe it's Blair Walsh missing a twenty yard field goal or whatever it was, he can <laughs> carry that. He went at the one twelve in yeah. the in the latest draft. This is so. cool that
2: you have this information right now. Yeah, right. yeah. No, no one Falky, no one has this information. It no one across. has this
0: information. We're the only ones. Uh third running back off the off the board in that draft. Hmm. Danny Woodhead, Dave, finishes as the number four overall running back. You've, you've got to be blanking me. fifteen point three points per game, two hundred and twenty nine points overall, and you know what? He's gonna be under drafted again this year, too. You
2: know what's really funny actually is the reason I brought up Woodhead in the pre show part where I talk over the audio that people can still hear is that someone protested uh, a trade tonight? It was Woodhead for Mariota in a Dynasty League, and I'm like, well, I, I I I didn't really understand it at first. I'm like, well, okay, I kind of get. it. I mean, I, I'm assuming he meant Mariota is worth a lot more. Marioto, right. whatever you want to call him. Mariotta. Mariota. Mariota. I'm Mar- Mar- Mariota. I'm going to call Mariota. So like, so but the the other owner, the guy who dealt him, had he had Sheamus and he had Andrew Luck. It's pronounced Jamus. Seamus Luck, and, and then he had some others. He had Tyrod Taylor. I'm like, yeah. he doesn't need Mariota, and like right. his running backs were terrible. I'm like, I thought the
0: trade was totally fine. Yeah, and Woodhead was number four running back. People are going to be talking about, oh, Melvin Gordon. This is the, he. He was rookie last year. He'll step up this year. And you know what? Woodhead's going to catch eighty passes again. He's probably going to have like eight or nine touchdowns again.
1: Yeah,
0: well, yeah. I and you know what? I could not. I own him in Blake Carrington. Could not even get close to fair value for him right now. I'll give you a third for him. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you know what? Nobody else would give me close to that.
2: Maybe I'll give you
0: a second. Let's talk. He's
2: 31. A- Minch just said he's 31. I mean, that's, come on, a third? Who is cares?
0: Five. It's First of all, you don't need to be young to do what Danny Woodhead does. Here's what he does. He's short, and he like just goes through people's legs. He's that's slippery. all he does. He's slippery. He's slippery. He He's white, so he's obviously sneaky fast, would would be what the analysts would say about yeah, him. Not not very athletic. Uh, he doesn't have to be. No, I know. Well. He could be doing this when he's 40. Let's let let's call a Spanish man. You know what's impressive about
2: Woodhead, though? He doesn't get concussed like all the other guys.
0: Because you can't tackle him. You can't get a
2: square yeah, hit yeah, on him. Yeah, Edelman gets concussed, you know Amendola gets concussed. That's because they go over the middle. I mean, they're, they're slim. But he they're, does, too, but he's kind of... You know, slithers through the middle, but no, he's
0: he he's a, he flares out like he doesn't. I mean, he there's Let's always fly. a okay. sideline. Right. Uh, well, Lamar Miller though, the free
2: agent that no that Miami's letting go is, is number five running back.
0: Yeah, uh, and and
2: think so about under, how uh, Think about how
0: he was underutilized if he was used properly. Eh, you're not that good. You're if, number you know five running back in the NFL. If he was used properly, he could have been the number two running back. Mm-hmm. In and he'd be a free agent this year, which boggles my mind. And of course, Doug Martin finished second in the league in rushing. And he's a free agent, too. Tampa seems to be that uh, they're going to let him go. Yep. Um, let's talk about potential potential first-rounders. David Johnson, Todd Gurley. Looks like DJ is going to be the uh, bell cow for Arizona, a high-powered Arizona offense next year. Phenomenal so, pass catcher. And then you, Yes, he is. And then you have Todd Gurley, who uh, many have dubbed the next Adrian Peterson, yes. uh, also sneaking into first rounds. When we get to September in Vegas for the main events, are, are these guys going to be cemented into the first rounds, assuming that they're still healthy at that point? Absolutely, 100%. Okay, oh. interesting that you say that, because David Johnson did not go in the first round of well, the draft that we those just those guys played. are silly. I don't even, you know, honestly, I, I, I shouldn't I say. I think, it. you know,
2: it's not totally known yet, but I think that he should. But you still
0: have Andre Ellington there.
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I mean, say what you will about Ellington, but he made some big well, plays. I will. And maybe he is finally in the role that he needs to be in. Not the role where he's carrying it twenty twenty five times a game. The role where he's out there, touching the ball ten times a game, and he can explode that way. You know what I mean? He and he he's not exposing himself to this added injury risk. Arizona loves David
2: Johnson. They loved him heading into the draft process. They loved him after the draft. They loved him when he was playing, and they gave they've kept giving him every opportunity to play and play and play. I mean, he to me is, truly looks like a workhorse. And then you know the Rams. I mean, they loved. I mean. The, their coaching staff just gives all carries to running backs like Right,
0: crazy. yeah. And, and with uh, Gurley you know, being part of the move to Los Angeles, uh, obviously uh, they're going to want to uh, um, showcase them any way they can. Yeah, to he's the only good advantage. player on the
2: damn team, for God's sakes. Uh,
0: drafted as the number two running back uh, nice. in this in this draft. So and like the
2: 107 to, or 108 or something like that. We will have to finish this up next time. By the way, D.L. Yeah. Lewis...
0: Uh, R B forty one this
2: year, but he averaged seventeen point four five. Yeah, points. he's he's another guy. game.
0: I'll, t- I'll tell you what, we'll talk about we're we're gonna put a pin in, in the running back uh discussion um and we'll talk about it next week uh on the show. We'll we'll uh we'll do our running back review part two, Electric Boogaloo, next <laughs> week. So that's what what we'll have uh for you on the show. I wanna thank uh Harshall shash uh I wanna thank uh, Shesh, uh, wanna thank, uh Tejas Bodiwala for coming on the show tonight. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to everybody who cashed in the Playoff challenges here, our final event of the season. Very awesome. I also want to thank Wendy's, Gatorade, FedEx, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and most of all, all of you. We will be back next week. Remember to sign up for the FFPC Satellite League, uh, Draft Experts League today. Also, sign up for the main event. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.